0: Our scripture reading this morning is from Numbers eighteen. Uh, it is portion of it is printed in the bulletin. It's not a bad week to actually look at a physical Bible. So there's actually Bibles under the chairs. If you want to grab them, uh, you can take in the portions of the passage that we're not going to read, but we'll refer to. Uh, Numbers eighteen is on pages one twenty six and one twenty seven in those in those black Bibles. Here at Emmanuel, we've been studying through the book of Numbers. And as we'll see, Numbers 18 is a series of laws about the work of the the priests and the Levites. Um, But we want to see that these laws come from God in a very specific context, trying to minister to a very specific need. Uh, We saw last week uh, a really tragic event in the life of Israel in the wilderness. Uh, Here was a rebellion led by Korah and a number of other individuals. Uh, Korah seeking uh, to be a priest, and 250 others wanting to to be priests as well, even though God had said it was only Aaron and his family that got to be priests. Uh, and so there was this great revolt against Aaron and against God. And and what happens is God demonstrates, twice actually, through great miracles, that sure enough, the priesthood is only for Aaron and his uh, and his family, we read of one of those miraculous demonstrations last week where, where Korah and 250 others lined up before the Lord at the tent of meeting at the tabernacle uh, to do priestly work like they wanted to do. Uh, but fire comes out from heaven, uh, from out from the presence of the Lord, consumes Korah, the 250 others, only Aaron, the rightful priest, is left standing before uh, the Lord. That was one demonstration uh, that Aaron was the rightful high priest. Chapter 17 is actually a different one. Uh, We're going to skip over that, but it's the same basic theme. God's showing again, Aaron is the rightful priest. But at the end of chapter 17, the people of God seem to get it. Okay, Aaron's the right priest. No one else should come near the the tabernacle in the presence of God. But now they're getting really afraid. Uh, They think, we're all going to die now. And chapter 18, and the laws about the priests, actually directly address their fear. And so we'll help to see that together, and I trust, see how this is actually very encouraging for us as New Testament Christians. Uh, but we'll get there. Let's first read God's Word. We're going to read the, the final verses of chapter 17, and then portions of chapter 18. So, beginning with uh, 17, chapter 12, uh, God uh, verse 12 God has just uh, demonstrated Aaron's the right high priest. He did that twice. And now, uh, number 17, verse 12. And the people of Israel said to Moses, Behold, we perish. We We are undone. We are all undone. Everyone who comes near, who comes near to the tabernacle of the Lord shall die. Are we all to perish? So the Lord said to Aaron, You and your sons and your father's house with you shall bear iniquity connected with the sanctuary. And you and your sons uh, with you shall bear iniquity connected with your priesthood. Uh, And with you uh, bring your brothers also, the tribe of Levi, the tribe of your father, that you that they may join you and minister to you while you and your sons are with you, uh, with you are before the tent of the testimony. They shall keep guard over you and over the whole tent, uh, but shall not come near to the vessels of the sanctuary or to the altar, lest they and you die. They shall join you and keep guard over the tent of meeting for all the service of the tent, and no outsider shall come near you. And you shall keep guard over the sanctuary and over the altar, that there may never again be wrath on the people of Israel. And behold... I have taken your brothers, the Levites, from among the people of Israel. They are a gift to you, given to the Lord, uh, to do the service of the tent of meeting. And you and your sons with you shall guard your priesthood for all that concerns the altar and that is within the veil, and you shall serve. I give you your priesthood as a gift, and any outsider who comes near shall be put to death. So we'll just pause there. God has just explained uh, how Aaron and his sons are to do this role uh, of a priest, and the tribe of Levi is to help them. Uh, The rest of the chapter, so the first part is all about the role of the priests and Levites. The rest of the chapter is how God's going to provide for the priests and the Levites. So it begins, for example, with with verse 8, providing for the priests. I'll read that. Then the Lord spoke to Aaron Behold, I give you charge of the contributions made to me, all the consecrated things of the people of Israel. I have given them to you as a portion, to, to, and to your sons as a perpetual due. And then the rest of the verses of that section, 9 through 20, is, describes this provision that God will give to the priests. It's a series of five different types of offerings and contributions that's going to support the priests. Then verses 21 to 32, the final section of the chapter, is describes the provision that goes to the Levites. These are different contributions, and they will go to support the Levites, these assistants to the priests. Uh, I'll read verse 21 just as a summary. To the Levites I have given every tithe in Israel for an inheritance in return for their service that they do, their service in the tent of meeting. Well, let's pray together. Father, this is your word And we believe what you have said That your word is a lamp to our feet And a light to our path We pray that even this morning Through your spirit We shine the light And open our eyes to see We pray in Jesus' name Amen, Amen. How many of you remember Highlights Magazine? Did you have that as a kid? Our, 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 our uh, kid's grandmother has given a subscription to all the little ones as they go along. Highlights Magazine, all the, you know, monthly you get in the mail, this magazine for, with puzzles and stories, and I tell you my favorite section of Highlights Magazine, it's the what's different section. You remember that? Two pictures on opposite pages, almost identical, but there's some key differences and your job is to spot what's different. Now, look, the, the girl has green socks over here, but red socks over there. What's, what's different? In many ways, studying and applying the Old Testament uh, is a little bit of playing what's different. Uh, that the job is to put side by side the Old Testament world uh, and the New Testament church world, put them side by side, and notice the striking similarities but also the key differences. Striking similarities. Same God, same sinners in need of rescue, same way of salvation, but yet some striking and key differences. Uh, The Old Testament world, through types and shadows, pointing forward, uh, and the New Testament world, not going back to the old, but sh- seeing fulfillment in Christ and living in light of his, of his coming. And so it's that ability to spot the, the similarities and also the key differences uh, that allows the, the Old Testament to really be that light to our path and, and not a stumbling block that we trip over. So, part of what we're going to do this morning is, is just play that together. Okay, what's different? As we go along, we'll stop and say, okay, what's the same about these two pictures? And what are the key differences? And I trust, uh, be really encouraged and, and, and by God's word as we do that. So here we are Numbers 18. Uh, two clear parts to the passage. Uh, the first part all about the role uh, of the Levites and the priests. And the second part about how they're supported. Uh, so let's take those one at a time. Uh, and see, see what God has and along the way ask what's different and what's similar so the role again this is in response uh, to this recent rebellion where Korah and others uh, wanted to be priests wanted to go right up into the holy things there at the tabernacle wanted to be priests and God responds by uh, by saying okay uh, here's what the rightful priests are going to do and the Levite's helping them. They're going to do two key things. They're going to guard, and they're going to bear guilt. There's more that priests do, but for this occasion, this is the. these are the two key things. Guard and bear guilt. They're going to guard. So, uh, Numbers 18, verse 7. God's saying to Aaron, And you and your sons with you shall guard your priesthood for all that concerns the altar and that is within the veil. And you shall serve. I... Uh, 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 We'll just pause there. So, you and your son shall guard the priesthood and all that concerns the altar and the veil. So, remember here, the Israelites in the wilderness. uh, They're camped around by tribe. And right smack dab in the middle is this tent. uh, The tabernacle or the tent of meeting. Same thing. It's God's tent. The royal, holy tent where the special glory presence of God descends on earth. Uh, and because it's God's glory presence, uh, there there is this danger. God is holy, and so sinners cannot come into His presence lest they die. They just learned that in a really powerful way. As as Korah uh, thought he could just waltz right up, uh, and sure enough, uh, the only one who survives that that lineup before God is Aaron. Because God made this special uh, provision for the priests to, uh, to be washed clean, to be made holy, so that they could approach. Right? The key idea, God is that holy. Uh, remember, uh, remember in Isaiah 6, where Isaiah gets this vision of the heavenly tabernacle, the heavenly throne room, and there, even the spotless, pure angels have to cover their faces. right? Because God is that holy. He is that brilliant in His majesty, that sparkling, blinding in his, in his purity. Uh, and so even the angels have to cover their faces in, uh, in humility, uh, in modesty, because God is that brilliantly holy. So yes, as we turn then to uh, the tent on earth, and the Old Covenant, <coughs> where God's glory presence on earth dwells, uh, holy. You can't just waltz right up uh, to that holiness. God is that holy, and, and we, as fallen sinners, are that sinful. Uh, and so the average Israelite, like Korah, uh, dare not come up to the holy things, the holy tent or its furniture, lest they die. So what God does is he gives this special job to Aaron and to the priests to serve as guards. Uh, They're given the job of guarding uh, the holy tent to keep the average Israelite away, lest they die. Uh, The priests kind of serve as an inner ring of defense, and and then their their helpers, the Levites, serve as kind of an outer ring of of defense, right? Keeping uh, people away from the presence of God, because God is that holy and the Israelites are that sinful. Okay, we'll push pause pause there. What's similar, what's different? Um, Well, we could maybe start with what's different between the Old Testament world and and the New Testament church age. We could start with what's different. Today, there is no tabernacle. There is no physical tent or physical holy real estate on earth uh, where God's glory presence dwells, and you dare not come onto that real estate lest you die. So don't think like, oh, can't come up to the front or touch the things. Don't touch, you're going to die. No, this isn't holy ground, nor is anywhere else on earth in that way that you see in the Old Testament tabernacle. That's very different now. But don't miss the huge similarities between the two pictures. God is still very much holy. Just as holy as he was uh, under the Old Covenant sometimes we can kind of get into our heads like, oh yeah, the God of the Old Testament, a little more holy. Same God. Nothing's changed. He's just as holy, and we're just as sinful. So the, the, the danger that's represented here of, of dare not come too close, holy God, sinful people, that is every, every bit as much a danger. Uh, in fact, uh, we face it not on earthly terms, uh, in physical death, it's actually the stakes are even higher uh, because we are called to think about the heavenly tabernacle and, and what happens when we go and stand before God in his heavenly, true home uh, think about dying and standing before the Lord right? Every, every bit as much the same holy God we read of here, and we're still the same types of sinners uh, how could we stand in God's presence then? And so it's that that same problem. We're in trouble. We will be kept at a distance for all eternity. Uh, We're consumed like Korah, unless there's a way of rescue. Which gets us to the second key job of the priest. So first, we're given here, guard, keep people at a distance. Uh, And then the second is uh, bearing iniquity. Bearing iniquity or sin. Uh, Again, here we are in response to Korah's rebellion. Uh, The people are afraid that they're all going to die. And God gives these priests two key jobs to answer that concern. One, guard, keep people away. Two, bear iniquity or bear sin. What's that all about? Well, let's read a couple of verses. So go back to verse 1 of chapter 18. So the Lord said to Aaron and your son, you and your sons... And your father's house shall bear iniquity connected with the sanctuary. And you and your sons with you shall bear iniquity connected with your priesthood. Bear iniquity connected with the tabernacle? What's that that all about? Uh, You get more of an explanation as you go down to verse 3. Here is is God talking about the Levites who are going to help, but not get as close as the priests they're that outer ring of defense so they, the Levites, shall keep guard over you, the priests, and over the whole tent, but shall not come near to the vessels of the sanctuary or the altar, lest they and you die so you get the idea? so here's the Levites, they're supposed to be kept at a distance too they can't go into the, into the tent or touch the altar uh, and God here says uh, if they do go near uh, then not only are, is that individual going to die, the priest is going to die too. Which uh, connects back to what we looked at last week, because there, uh, there in, the, in, the case of, in the case of Korah and the rebellion, you might remember, not only is Korah struck down and those with him, uh, but God makes it very clear, actually the whole nation should be wiped out. The whole nation bears guilt Because of this invasion of God's holiness. And that's actually why the people are so petrified now. They get it, okay, can't go near the tabernacle, but we're all going to be wiped out. Because if someone ends up touching the holy things that shouldn't, not only are they going to die, but the whole nation's going to die with them, bearing the guilt. But what God is doing here with the priests is he's saying, we're going to protect the nation. Here's how the nation's going to be protected. Uh, If someone gets through that that guarding uh, and touches the holy things, okay, they'll die for their sins. But the whole nation is not going to bear the guilt. Who's going to bear the guilt in place of the nation? The priest. The priest will die in place of the nation. The nation deserves to die, but the priest will die in their place starting to, starting to put this together I if it if it helps this helped me one illustration I read this week by one pastor he said basically uh, the, the role of an Old Testament priest is something akin uh, to a secret service agent right yeah you know, secret service their job is to protect the president which kind of has two functions to it one is keep people away from the president uh, but secondly uh, if it came down to it and somebody got through the protection uh, guard the president, even at the cost of your own life. Um, I, I still remember the, the first time I saw Secret Service uh, uh, people in action was uh, on TV watching the footage, the news footage, of the assassination attempt of Ronald Reagan. Uh, a lot of you probably remember seeing that footage again and again. Uh, and you remember my, uh, how it went before things were calm as, as Reagan is walking to the car, and there are the Secret Service agents doing their guarding thing out front, but remember, there's John Hinckley. He, he's able to get through and start firing shots. And, and after, so the guarding didn't work completely. So then there was the task of protecting the president. And you might remember that there was one agent who was standing between Hinckley and, and Reagan. Uh, and as starts, shots, are, shots are firing, you might remember what he did. Uh, he didn't run out of the way. In fact, he went like this. He, he, he made himself big to protect the president. And sure enough, he actually was shot. You might know that he's survived. He's fine. He lives in Chicago now. Um, but anyway, um, but you get the idea. Uh, he took the bullet uh, to protect the president. So here are these two functions in something of an illustration. So the priest's job is, one, to guard, keep people away. Uh, but if, if that fails... Uh, their task is to take the bullet and die in someone else's place. In this case, it's not—it's not, it's not uh, die for the one there. It's not die for an individual. It's die for the nation. Uh, protect the nation, and that's the job uh, of the priest here in this old covenant, uh, old covenant system. Now keep people away uh, because God is that holy, and they're sinners. But if someone breaks through. Bear the guilt, bear the iniquity, and take the bullet and die in place, so the nation, so the whole nation, doesn't have to be wiped out. Okay, so back to our back to our highlights magazine game. Uh, what's the same? What's different? Uh, what's the same? God is still every bit as holy. Uh, we are still every much bit much sinners who deserve death for our sin. Um, But there is this powerful, powerful difference We don't have Levites and priests today We have something far, far better What the Levites and priests were just a tiny shadow pointing forward to We have the Lord Jesus Christ Think about what Jesus does He bears iniquity He bears our sin He takes the bullet for us Right, that, that death that, that we would receive, because we deserve it, for our sin. Um, Jesus steps in, steps in front, voluntarily, doing his job that he was given, but desires to do, to die so that we don't have to. There's the job of the great priest, the final priest, Jesus. Uh, we, we read it this, this morning in, in Hebrews 10. And Hebrews 10 actually highlights how Jesus is far better than any Old Testament priest. So he he does this job of of, of bearing iniquity, taking the bullet for us, dying so that we might not have to. But Hebrews emphasizes he doesn't just keep us safe. Okay, he died in our place, so now we're, we're safe. But he actually draws us near to God, makes the way to God. Because remember that the emphasis in that Old Testament tabernacle was stay away, stay away. God's that holy, you're that sinful, stay away. Hebrews brings up, well, the same language of of tabernacle. Talks about tents, uh, talks about curtains, and and holy things. uh, Thinking now, not of earthly tabernacle, but of heavenly tabernacle. And the work of this priest doesn't just keep us... Safe, but still at a distance, but keeps us safe, washes us clean, so that we can go near. So that we can do exactly what the Israelites were not allowed to do. Boldly draw near uh, to the Lord himself. Go right into the throne room of God. Right before his presence. uh, So that we can draw near to him now in prayer. uh, So that we can draw near in worship. And of course, for all eternity... Uh, We can not only be be safe when we die, but we can draw near and dwell with the Lord for all eternity. That's the way that Christ makes through his own death, uh, through his work uh, for us. Uh, No longer uh, is is our sin and guilt uh, keeping us away. Uh, There's there's not that ministry of exclusion that you see in the Old Testament priests. Stay away. uh, Stay away. Actually, the only exclusion here uh, in the in the in the New Testament church uh, is the exclusive nature of of the way. Uh, the one who is excluded is the one who rejects Jesus, the one uh, who does not uh, who does not believe and trust in the w- in the only way. Right. So if so if you don't trust in the Lord Jesus as as that way as that Savior as that that priest who died for you and that's not where you're clinging to, then you are excluded. You are kept at a distance. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's what we all deserve. Um, but you, you see the good news. You see the offer that's held out freely. God has made a way. And you don't pay for it and you don't earn it. None of us do. And God makes the way through his son, the great priest, uh, who bears our guilt, who dies in our place and then makes the way for all to come, through faith in him, uh, and faith in him alone, uh, to draw near to the presence of God. And if you're one who is trusting in Christ, here's the encouragement of this passage as we put it alongside the New Testament world. Is we, as Hebrews says, can boldly draw near to God. That there, is, there is no exclusion for us who are in Christ. There's no stay at a distance. Uh, that we can know and depend upon and walk with even this same holy God because Christ has drawn us near. Christ has made the way. And so the encouragement is draw near boldly. Uh, Believers this week, draw near to God, walk with him, cling to him, uh, be excited about about, uh, continuing to worship him and excited about even the glories of heaven to come. So the role of, of the priests guarding bearing guilt how much better in jesus uh, but then we, we want to, have to spend just a couple minutes on this final part of the passage we said numbers 18 is divided up into into two pieces the role of the priests and then the provision for the priests this is verses eight to the end of the chapter and and god makes this provision in order to support uh, this important and dangerous work of the priests and the levites Uh, He makes provision for them to be financially supported uh, through the gifts of God's people. Uh, When the people arrive into the promised land, uh, the priests and Levites aren't given uh, farmland in order to grow crops and eat and survive them and their families. They're not given that land like everybody else. Instead, uh, their their labor is not to be focused in on farming. It's to be focused in on the work of... of of the tabernacle, of caring uh, for that ministry uh, at the tabernacle that they've been given. So in order to support them, God makes provision through the gifts of God's people. And that's what you have described in very minute detail. So verses 8 to 20, that's all the contributions that will go to the priest, to Aaron and to his family. Five different sources, portions of grain offerings, sin offerings, and guilt offerings, all of the wave offering all of the uh, first fruits of the land the first part of the harvest that goes to Aaron and to his family then there's these so-called devoted things things like some spoils of war and some other things and then finally all the contributions which have to do with the firstborn among animals and firstborn among humans uh those contributions go to Aaron and his family as well so those five different sources uh, are, are to go to support the work of, of the priests and the priests and their family, keep them, keep them going. 21 to 32 uh, gives a, a, a detailed description of how the Levites will be supported. And this is from a different uh, contribution. It's the, uh, the tithe... Uh, We actually get a different tithe in Deuteronomy that's supposed to go to the poor. But this tithe uh, goes to support the priests. uh, An annual offering of all, one-tenth of all the agricultural produce, that would go to support the Levites once they get into the land, so that they uh, can live and they can continue in their work of service at the tabernacle. Uh, So support of the priests, support of the Levites. Uh, In each case, it's really emphasized how this support is to be thought of as a gift to the Lord. That it's not just, okay, uh, this Israelite uh, gives to the priests, and this Israelite gives to the Levites. These are gifts, offerings, first and foremost, to God. Uh, For example, you catch that in verse 24 uh, of chapter 18. Notice the emphasis. For the tithe of the people of Israel, which they present as a contribution to the Lord... I have given to the Levites as an inheritance, uh, for an inheritance, right? So with the contributions, all of them are to be thought of as gifts to God, uh, as a part of their commitment and worship of God, that then goes to support the works of the servant uh, servants of the Lord. An opportunity for God's people to worship God, to acknowledge that all their life and all they have belongs to God, uh, they, they give these offerings to the Lord uh, first and foremost, Okay, so back to our Highlights Magazine uh, exercise. Old Testament world, New Testament world, side by side. What's the same? What's different? First, we should emphasize what is radically different as we read here about how priests are supported. In the Old Testament world, you paid uh, to have this priest do his job. So this work of guarding... Uh, And bearing guilt, this work of keeping you safe, you paid for it through your contributions. Uh, The exact opposite now. Fulfilled in Christ. Right? Because the fulfillment of the work of the priest is Jesus. And so this this key work that we so desperately need of of being guarded and kept safe and, and someone to bear our sin for us... We don't pay for it one penny. There's the good news of the gospel. Uh, We don't pay for it. We can't pay for it. Uh, Christ pays it all. He is the one who is rich but becomes poor in order to save us. Uh, He is the one who lays down his life so that for us, well, though the the wages of sin is death, the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. So the work of this priest, you don't contribute anything to Uh, And we need to remember uh, that again and again as we think about Jesus and his priestly work. You don't pay for it up front, uh, and you don't pay it back along the way in the Christian life. Nothing you do, whether it's uh, any exercise of of religious devotion or giving in church, none of that contributes anything uh, to the, the work of the priest. Uh, to Jesus and his death for you. He paid it all for you. It's just a free gift. Praise God for that. We did read this morning in 1 Corinthians uh, 9 how Paul refers back uh, to the support of the Old Testament priests by way of analogy. Not exactly the same, if you notice how Paul looked, but somewhat similar as Paul is describing those Uh, who, who in their work of the Lord, proclaim the gospel. He's referring to himself as an apostle uh, and a church planter, but you could also think missionary, you could think local pastor. uh, And he says that those who proclaim the gospel, well, there is something of an analogy with those servants of the Lord in the Old Testament. So here's uh, 1 Corinthians 9, 13, and 14. I think it's right there at the top of your page there on page 3. Um, do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple? Those who serve at the altar share in the sacrificial offerings. In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. So you see the reference back to, uh, to Numbers 18. Right? Those, those who do their work at the altar, they're the priests... Uh, those who serve at the uh, at, 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 before the Lord, they are sustained. Number as eighteen says through those offerings that are made to the Lord on that on that altar. And Paul says, in the same way, not identical. Uh, now we're not talking about priests; we're talking about preachers. Very different, uh, but analogous. He says ordinarily that those who proclaim the gospel should make their living through the preaching of the gospel. Uh, that the gifts of God's people to the Lord uh, go to support the work of the gospel around the world. And the building of the church around uh, the world. Again, you see the difference. We're not talking about priests. The priestly work of Christ is free. Uh, but yet we're called as God's people to support the work of the proclamation of the gospel uh, through the giving of offerings, uh, giving and offerings to the Lord, uh, to the Lord. Remember that emphasis in our in our passage that uh, that the gifts of the old covenant are first and foremost to God. Right? It's it's a it's not just about paying church bills. We can think it's about uh, acts of of worship unto unto the Lord. Um. Now, if you're if you're looking, speaking of comparing similarities and differences, if you're looking through uh, the New Testament, looking through the equivalent of Numbers 18, if you're looking for a very detailed list of exactly in what situation to give what, where, and how it all works, uh, down to the uh, down to the very uh, the very animal or contribution, if you're looking for that Numbers 18 list in the New Testament, you won't find it. Uh, In the New Testament, you don't get that same kind of minutiae about what has to be given when. Uh, Instead, as the New Testament talks about giving of God's people, uh, the emphasis uh, is not on on those those details, but on actually much more significant things, uh, which is the, the whole of life and the whole of the heart. And so we find instructions like being a cheerful giver, being a willing giver, giving a sacrificial giver. Paul does in 2 Corinthians 9 speak about uh, giving uh, proportional to one's income. So you get a little bit of the flair of a first fruits offering or or an Old Testament tithe. Uh, Proportionality, so those who who have more proportionally would give more. That seems to be reflected in how Paul talks about giving. Uh, But you don't get the Numbers 18 minutiae. Uh, instead, what you get is is that heart uh, of, of those who have received everything from the Lord, uh, the heart to give. So if you're wondering what question do we as New Testament Christians wrestle with, uh, it's it's not as much kind of a Numbers 18, uh, let's go and say, okay, what do I need to give God? That's really not the, the heart of the question. What do I need to give God? As much as, what can I give to the Lord? What can I give that looks like a cheerful gift to God, a willing gift, a sacrificial gift, uh, a gift according to what God has given me, and yes, a, a gift to the Lord. That's our primary thought, not just, okay, I've got to pay the bills, i got to pay the missionaries, uh, but but how do we, as God's people, give an offering to the Lord? actually, uh, providentially. Uh, the, the the session, the elders were just talking about this last week as we had our, our monthly meeting. Uh, we were, as we've been doing, kind of reviewing, okay, what, what kind of ch- had to change over the pandemic and what needs to kind of come back into place. Uh, if you were here all the way back before, uh, you might remember that every Sunday we used to pass offering plates. That was part of how we gave and and, uh, you know, pandemic comes and uh, understandable concerns about getting sick. And we thought, okay, maybe people would feel uncomfortable taking a plate and touching what, uh, what, you know, 20 other people have touched beforehand. So we said, okay, we'll put offering boxes in the back and give our contributions. Made sense then. Uh, It Doesn't seem to have the same concerns about touching plates uh, these days. Uh, So we we said to ourselves, we should go back to taking the offering in the midst of worship. Bring back the offering plates and passing as a part of giving uh, to the Lord. And our primary thought was uh, this connection of giving to the Lord. Uh, the, The idea being that this is a part of our worship of God. Uh, this is a part of what we are called to be as God's people, to, uh, to acknowledge that all we have is from him, and we've received the free gift of, of, of salvation in Jesus, and so we're going we're gonna to give unto the Lord in, in worship. So we decided, yeah, we're going to do that again. So we will. Next week we'll start, actually. Uh, well, it's a part of worship, past the, past the plates. And again, so that it, as God's people, we can begin to think, giving to the Lord, the one who has given everything Everything to us, and then we'll even uh, respond as we as we used to with the doxology at that point, right? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. We're just giving God uh, a portion of what He's given to us. So you see how these how the old and new fits together. Yeah, we're looking at the old. It's a, it's a different world. It's a strange world. There's similarities: same God, same holiness, same sinners, same need of rescue. Uh, but we're seeing how the, the old is different because it was a shadow. And it's gloriously fulfilled in Christ. So do you see your need? Holy God, sinful uh, sinful you, sinful me. Do you see the provision of God in the priest, Jesus? It's something that you can't pay for. But he did it. No one who was rich became poor, Jesus. Uh, even, even bearing our guilt, even taking the bullet for us, as it were. Dying on the cross in our place, so that free, undeserved as a gift, we can be cleansed and washed clean through faith and come boldly before the Lord now and for all eternity. And any any giving to the Lord that we do that is just a response. It's a it's a thanksgiving, it's a it's a cheerful, willing gift to the one who has given everything to us. And that's good news. That's pretty good. Father, we do pray that you would remind us afresh of, of what you have done through your Son, of the good news of, of the free <clears> gift of grace. Uh, Lord, stir up in our hearts faith and trust in him. Uh, and Lord, we pray that your people would be uh, would be transformed by that more and more. Uh, and Lord, our worship would be, would be enhanced and encouraged because we have a great God uh, to, to, uh, to focus our hearts upon. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.